The Direction Daily Gold Miners Index Bull and Bear 3X Shares ETFs trade under the ticker NUGT for the 3X Bull and DUST for the 3X Bear. These leveraged ETFs seek a return that is 300% of the performance of the NYSE ARCA Gold Miners Index for a single day. The Gold Miners Index holdings include names such as Barrick Gold, Newmont Mining, Franco Nevada, and Newcrest Mining, with index country weightings including Canada, Australia, United States, and South Africa. These are highly leveraged ETFs with daily resetting designed for short-term trading, not long-term investing. To magnify your short-term perspective, whether you're a bull or a bear on gold miners, you choose the direction. For up-to-date pricing and performance, go to direction.com. Index holdings are subject to change. Investing in the funds involves significant risk and should only be utilized by investors who understand the impact of leverage and actively monitor their portfolio. They are not designed to track the underlying index for more than a day before investing. Carefully consider a fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus available at Direction.com. Read carefully. Distributor Foresight Fund Services. Are you ready to build, grow, and protect your investments? Welcome to the Index Investing Show, where we give you the tips, tools, and philosophy for reaching your financial goals. And now, your host, inventor of the Portfolio Report Card and author, Ron DeLegge. Coming up on today's program, we're going to do some habits of the investing greats, where I give you one habit to work on for the week. An investing great link to that habit and then uh, what to do about it also we're going to give you a rundown what's going on trend wise in global financial markets it's going to tell you about a brand new ETF tracking the MRA technology space which is emerging so uh, stay tuned for that if you'd like to join us we're here 800-516-1220 give us your first name along with your city and any ETF ticker symbols that you'd like to discuss mutual funds stocks we can do that. The past several weeks, we've been talking about strategies for showing up your investment portfolio, year-end strategies, and big moves that can help improve your bottom line, one of those being tax loss harvesting. So this applies to the taxable portion of your investment portfolio and extracting your winners and losers, right? And starting to match up uh, and offsetting the gains and the losses and then looking for a replacement, a candidate to replace those losses or losers. And of course, ETFs can play a vital role in uh, helping you to identify um, areas of the market that may be more diversified, lower risk, and also offer some upside. But also, and this is a big, big point, help you avoid running afoul of the 30-day wash sale rule, which basically prevents you from recording a capital loss if you're repurchasing that same asset within a 30-day time period. So we want to avoid running afoul of that 30-day wash rule and ETF certainly can fill the gap, help you stay invested in the market, right? Because that's, that's also part of this, is the psychology aspect of ridding our portfolio of losers. After we've sold it, we inevitably watch it and what happens it ends up going up it's like murphy's law right the minute we get rid of it it starts to skyrocket and so that fear that some investors have of missing the boat getting rid of a loser at the bottom well tax loss harvesting and using etfs to do that can help you to uh, stay invested and then participate in the rebound so again if you've missed some of these episodes over the past couple of weeks you can listen to them via our archive we archive every single broadcast via 
our podcast. And you can listen to that at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and as well as indexshow.com. So let's uh, give you a quick uh, recap of what's going on in global financial markets since the start of the year. Um, well, let's just look at this past week. We saw the S&P 500 uh, closing um, sharply higher, almost 4% on the week. And uh, this was a, another new closing high for the S&P 500. And uh, the index has not yet topped its intraday high of 4,743.83 which was achieved on November 22nd. But as far as new closing highs, we hit that this past week. And it's all 11 industry sectors that are participating in this rally, with energy being the better, best performer. XLE ahead by just over 56%. Right behind it, real estate, XLRE, up 37.5%. And then look at this. Technology has made a run here in the fourth quarter. XLK now ahead by over 35%, which is tremendous. Financials are still up big, but the technology's made a run here. This has been like a, what would I use in a horse racing analogy? Maybe like Secretariat running that last quarter mile where you think he's going to lose the race, and he just comes in and just outruns every single horse in the race now, I'm not saying technology stocks in the S&P 500 have outrun other sectors. They certainly haven't outrun energy or real estate in 2021, but they are making a big move here, and uh, they're now in third place. We'll get you caught up on the rest of the S&P 5 industry sectors in, in a bit. Um, let's take a look at some of the major asset classes real quick here, because this gives you your big picture view of what's going on in global financial markets uh, let's begin with total U.S. stock market, SCHB. Now, this encompasses large, mid, and small company stocks, ahead by almost 24.5%. Um, You've got that compared to international and emerging market stocks, which have lagged relatively. You've got uh, emerging market stocks barely up about uh, one, little over 1.5%. That's VWO, and they're being weighed down by China and, and uh, Brazil. Those have been... Uh, two areas in, within emerging markets that have, have not helped this group. VEA, which tracks international developed stocks from Europe and Japan and Canada and UK and Australia. As a group, they're up just over 10%. Not a bad return, but when you compare that to the U.S., I mean, U.S. is up more than, you know, double uh, what the rest of its global peers are. And then a couple of final areas, uh, commodities as a group have been great performers. USCI uh, had by uh, almost 28% since the start of the year. And then REET, which tracks global real estate stocks, ahead by 26.5%. And then BND, which tracks total U.S. bond market, down about 1.8%. That area has not performed well. Not a disaster, but at the same time, when you compare it to, to the, you know, the U.S. stock market, it has not been a good good run here uh, for the total U.S. bond market. So that's your big picture view. Those are year-to-date numbers. They are through the market close of um, December uh, 10th. And so um, that's uh, your big picture view. Later on, we'll get caught up on some of the uh, key industry sectors as well as um, some of those leveraged ETFs as well as cryptos. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. We've got, uh, who we got with us? We got uh, Carl 
Carl from Oceanside. Yes, um, I have a question on I-bonds. They pay now 7%. How long do I have to hold them in, in order to avoid the three-month interest penalty? Yeah, so I-bonds, these are uh, government-issued uh, I-bonds, you know, purchased between now and the end of April 2022 are going to pay an annual rate of 7.12%. Um, you can get more information, by the way, on these at Treasury Direct, okay? So that's kind of your yes. your source. But um, that this is a common question, Carl. You know, I-bonds earn interest for 30 years unless you cash them first. So you can cash them out after one year, but if you cash them out bef before five years, you're going to lose the previous three months of interest. So um, that's kind of how you have to be, you know, aware of that. Um, and then, you know, the thing is, is treasurydirect.gov, that's, that's where you're going to get more information on this. But, you know, th what you're doing, looking for alternative sources of income, I mean, this is, this is the story of, you know, retired investors or those nearing retirement, looking for multiple sources of income that uh, are alternative to the traditional bond market. So, so I'm not surprised that this is an area that uh, you called about. Yes. Well, hopefully okay, that helps you. you, Carl, and uh, thanks for yes. listening to the program. Best of success to you. Yes, bye. 800-516-1220 is the number. We're here. If you'd like to join us, you're listening to the Index Investing Show. Um, coming up a little bit later, we're going to talk about habits of the investing greats. I'm going to share um, one specific habit that we can all do better at and one that we should practice. Then we're going to link that to an investing great. And this, uh, this, of course, runs in line with my book with that same title, Habits of the Investing Greats. And uh, the subtitle on, that, on that, uh, that book, 26 Proven Tactics for Achieving the Financial Results You Want. So that's the way the book is structured, 26 different habits that uh, would be practiced over the course of a year, one a week. That's half a year because there's 26 weeks in a half a year. And then... Uh, you know, at the end of half a year, we're hopefully going to be much better in terms of our habits and improving our investment results. More when we come back. Stick with me. You're listening to the Index Investing Show with Ron DeLegge. Subscribe to our podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Be sure to leave a review. All right, uh, welcome back from the break. 800-516-1220 is a number. We're here. If you'd like to join us, you want to talk about any stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, uh, we can do that. Also, uh, you can check out my portfolio grading service while I analyze and grade your portfolio across seven key metrics, including the cost of your portfolio, risk, taxes, as well as diversification and performance. And then there's other, two other key categories, organization and behavior. So behavior refers to you. Is your behavior a thing that is uh, producing um, good results or is it maybe detracting from your investment results? Well, this is all included as part of your personalized portfolio report card. And uh, to get started, get in touch with me. Just go to PortfolioReportCard.com. Also, I do a weekly YouTube series called ETF Battles. 
and I encourage you to check it out. Uh, if you have not yet seen the series, uh, just go to YouTube and put in ETF Battles in the search bar, and you will find it. Now, I wanted to highlight and alert uh, this, uh, this latest news that Direction has launched the very first <coughs> mRNA ETF, and uh, that happened this past week. Now, mRNA technologies come to the forefront here since the onset of COVID-19 and, of course, all the subsequent uh, variants and strains. And uh, this particular uh, ETF invests in the uh, BITA Messenger RNA Technology Index, and it provides exposure to, to publicly listed companies in the U.S., in Canada, and Europe that are leading the development and application of mRNA technology. This, by the way, um, you don't have to be a scientist to understand this, but it is, uh, it is quite the thing, I guess, in, in, in attacking viruses like COVID. And um, mRNA is a single-stranded ribonucleic acid molecule that is complementary to one of the DNA strands of a gene, and then it plays a vital role in protein synthesis in the human body, and the mRNA technologies are basically leveraging this, uh, this role to enable targeted cells to produce proteins that enable the body to fight and prevent a given disease. So that's the, the bottom line here, is giving the body enough uh, firepower to overcome whatever outside elements want to attack it. And so this, again, is a new ETF from Direction. The, D, the mRNA ETF, it's the first of its kind, ticker symbol MSGR. That's Mary Sam Godfrey Ronald. And uh, we'll be talking about this one on next week's program in a little bit more depth. Uh, Dave Massa at Direction Investments will be my program guest. So stay tuned for that, and uh, we'll get into some of the specifics of this one as well as some other uh, ETFs that uh, should be on your radar. 800-516-1220 is the number. We're here if you'd like to join us. Uh, we had a call from Carl in Oceanside about I-bonds and uh, during the break I was thinking uh, you know I-bonds um, versus tips because they're both kind of doing the same thing. They're trying to mitigate the impact of inflation and sometimes the question will come up, well, what should I do? Should I do I-bonds or should I do tips? And um, they offer both the same kind of idea, which is to hedge against inflation. And uh, in the case of I-bonds, they're using a compounded interest rate. Well, they have, a, they have two components. They've got a fixed interest rate, and then on top of that, they've got a, a variable rate which is adjusted every six months based on um, inflation rate, and that's uh, linked to CPI. So um, if inflation is high, you're going to have a much higher interest rate, right? And um, that's the idea, is to offset rising inflation. Compounding with I-bonds is semi-annual. Now, with uh, the TIPS, TIPS are offered with 5, 10, and 30-year terms. They also have a base rate that's fixed over the life of the bonds, and then the principal is adjusted to inflation monthly. So that's a little bit different. 
and then interest calculations are then based on the adjusted principal. So um, in terms of uh, taxes, both are exempt from state and local income tax. I-bonds do have a few tax advantages over TIPS. So I guess this depends where you're going to hold that investment. If it's going to be in a taxable account, then this would be important because uh, with I-bonds, you can defer paying federal taxes until the bond is redeemed or until it fully matures. Um, alternatively, you could elect to pay interest annually. Um, in addition, I-bonds may be exempt from federal income tax if they're used to pay for qualified higher education expenses. So these are all little details that you should be aware of. Um, again, to learn more and really get into this, because I, I could talk, you know, an entire program just on this alone, and I, I really don't want to do that, but uh, you can go to treasurydirect.gov. They've got a nice table that compares TIPS versus Series I bonds, um, and that I stands for inflation. And again, if you're looking at uh, having, uh, you know, government-backed bonds that are hedged, uh, against higher inflation, then this is what you should be looking at, TIPS and I, and I-bonds. And maybe the, the solution is to own a little bit of both. So, again, maybe not one or the other, but to be looking at both. And, of course, um, one of the things that we try to help you appreciate is that you, your portfolio should be um, uh, configured in such a manner that it it overcomes things like inflation, right? By automatically owning assets that have proven over time that they beat inflation, right? And what assets have beaten inflation historically? And and of course history is 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 the past, but the future often rhymes with history. And it's my belief that these same assets will likely do better than inflation. They will be great hedges against inflation. Well, that's equities right things like real estate that's another asset class that's outperformed so these are the types of assets that your portfolio should own in order to outperform and beat inflation over the long run and and by the way this talk about inflation being transitory i don't know who came up with this 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 language this verbiage in transitory well what, what the people who came up with this, what are they working at? The, like the, the, the a city transit department? Transitory. Like, did they miss the bus? Or they're thinking about transit? You know, let me let me take the train. Let me trans, transit myself to, to work or back home. Let me just be very explicit with the, the audience. Inflation is not, I repeat, inflation is not transitory. The rate of inflation fluctuates, it goes up and it goes down, but inflation is perennial. It's a silent thief that undermines your buying power, period. It's not transitory. It doesn't just come and go. It fluctuates, goes up and down, but it's always with us. Again, it's a silent thief. And as my favorite economist, Milt Friedman, once said, inflation is taxation without legislation. And that's exactly what it is. It's a tax. It undermines your buying power. And again, the way that you overcome this is by owning assets that that uh, uh, outperform and hopefully, you know, 
uh, do much better than outperform, but annihilate inflation, make it absolutely irrelevant. That's the idea. So it's, it's hard to do that when you're putting your money or the bulk of your net worth in low yielding savings accounts, you're, you're not going to ever outperform inflation with that strategy, especially your after tax returns in this environment. You're looking at probably negative returns after tax. Anyway, we'll talk about that much more. 800-516-1220 is the number. I'm here. We'll be right back. Do you have an investing or retirement plan question? Tweet the program right now or follow us on Twitter at Index Show. Legendary investor Bernard Baruch once said, the main purpose of the stock market is to make fools of as many people as possible. Did you know that crashing financial markets are when most of the fools are made? What about you? Will the next bear market turn you into a fool? How can you protect your investments from losing value? Take Ron DeLegge's online class titled Profit During Crashing Markets, a step-by-step -step guide. Go to IndexShow.com and click on the Enroll button. Get started today at IndexShow.com. You're listening to the Index Investing Show with Ron DeLegge. Subscribe to our podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Be sure to leave a review. All right, welcome back at the break. So let's take a look at the market. We already gave you kind of a big picture view of what's going on <clears throat> in terms of major asset classes. But let's take a look at this in terms of like industry sectors, because I, I always like to look underneath the hood to see what's going on beneath the markets, uh, beneath the hood. And uh, this really gives us an angle that is uh, unlike any other, because now we get more granular, right? We begin to see what's really going on in the market. Now, if we dissect the S&P 500 into 11 industry groups, and you can do that. I've compared this to a pizza. I'm from Chicago, so, you know, I, I like the deep dish, but I'm not going to say it's better than New York because they're both good in their own way. It's like saying, you know, I don't know, candy. You know, you've got different formulas and different flavors, but, you know, it's sweet and it's good. So that's how I feel about pizza. But if we dissect the S&P 500 into 11 industry groups, you'll see that all 11 are up double digits for 2021 and that's very good and it's also bullish this is not anybody saying well this is bearish or the beware of this or that or you know the market's uh, you know shaky well clearly they're reading the wrong charts because the charts and the price action say that the thesis and the, the at least the short-term momentum is strongly higher now we did have a little bit of a a blip there a couple weeks ago with a little bit of a pullback, but it didn't take us into, I would say, correction mode. It certainly didn't take us into bear market mode. Uh, we're far from that at this particular juncture. Now, that, that does not mean that markets can't change on the dime, and they often do, you know, so you got to be ready for anything. But in terms of all 11 sectors of the S&P 500, they're positive. I mean, the worst performer is XLP, which tracks consumer staple stocks. These are defensive stocks, Colgate, Palmolive, and you know companies like that. It's still ahead by 12% since the start of the year, and that's your worst performer in the S&P 500. So that tells you a lot in terms of the strength of the overall 
uh, stock market here in the U.S. Now, in terms of industry groups, let's talk about the, the extremely uber bullish areas. We highlighted those in the previous segment. We talked about energy, real estate, and technology. Those are the top three. And take a look at those direction, 3X and 2X ETFs linked to these sectors. ERX, which uses 2X or 200% daily leverage, ahead by over 120% since the start of the year. How about TECL, which aims for triple daily leverage to tech stocks, ahead by over 118% um, since the start of the year. Keep in mind that e, uh, TECL in October, just to help you understand how much of a run <laughs> this particular ETF has had, it was up around 40% in October, and uh, it has made it an almost 80% run in two months, which is just tremendous. So that's the kind of pizzazz and um, type of high-octane results that you can sometimes get with leveraged ETFs, and that's what they're designed to do. Um, you've got a couple of other areas that have been really good, and um, you've got, uh, this is not an S&P 500 industry group, but it is an important sector, and that's home builders. NAIL is the ticker symbol on this one, N-A-I-L. This is up over 172%, and this one is very similar. It's got a very similar chart pattern to TECL, which tracks technology with 3x daily leverage. Well, NAIL, you know, this ETF was up only about 40 or 50% in October, and then since then it's just been, you know, off to the races, gaining, um, what, is the, what is the return on that? You're up 172% as of uh, December 10th, minus about 40%. That's, that's about a, almost 130% run in uh, a couple of months' time. So... Again, these are the, the tactical types of tools that you can use in your portfolio. Uh, of course, keep in mind that leveraged ETFs are designed as short-term tools. So you, some of you may decide to hold them for longer periods of time, but just keep in mind they're not really designed to do that. They're more designed for short intraday or, intra, uh, or weekly trading um, uh, types of investments. So just keep that in mind. 800-516-1220 is the number. We're here if you'd like to join us. You want to talk about anything on your mind, financial. Uh, we talked um, in previous episodes. Uh, if you missed the ones over the past one or two weeks, you're in tax loss selling. You've got another couple weeks to take a look at your investment portfolio. Turn your lemons into lemonade and uh, offset some of your losers. Get rid of them. Clean them up. And then if you've got any gains, you maybe have some uh, winners that you maybe want to offset those gains with, you know, match those up. That's certainly a smart move. And then, um, of course, the ETFs uh, are uh, handy tools that you could use as potential replacement candidates for some of those losers, helping you to maintain exposure to the market, not missing that rebound if there is one in that underperforming asset that you invested in. And, um, you know, I look at this a couple of ways. If you've got an underperformer, let's just say it's uh, an individual stock that's just done like nothing or it's gone the wrong way on you, you know, one of my first things to do is look at the industry sector that that stock is linked to. So I'll just use a quick example. Let's just say, for example, um, let's say um, biotech stocks, for example. 
So the biotech industry group, um, as of late, hasn't really done that well. You've got XBI, which is the Spider S&P Biotech ETF. That one, uh, so far, let's see, what has it done this year? Since the start of 2021, it's down almost 22%. So you got some of those biotech stocks, especially the younger upstarts, that are down even worse than the overall diversified biotech ETF, XBI. Um, and so, you know, one idea might be to, you know, unload some of those underperformers. And if they're in your taxable account, you uh, record a capital loss. And then um, that, that money can be redeployed into a different asset that's maybe linked to the same sector or industry group. So instead of owning a, a single biotech stock, you can flip that into a biotech ETF that's diversified, that owns multiple names, and that still provides you exposure to that same type of investment theme. And um, that would allow you to participate in the rebound if there is one that comes ahead. And then, um, you know, also offer you a little bit more diversification. It's a lot less risk investing in a diversified basket than single names. So that's just one idea of how that would work. So Again, taking a look at individual stocks or equities that you may own, looking at the industry sector, finding ETFs that match up with those sectors, and then maybe looking at some of those ETF tickers as replacements. We gave you some examples of how to do this in um, the previous episode, so again, I encourage you to listen to those, um, which, which will definitely help you to apply this, this wonderful strategy. It's quite useful. And again, this applies for the money in your taxable account. And um, tax loss selling also does not replace or supersede the importance of proper tax positioning of your overall portfolio. So that means having the mathematically ideal balance in your tax-deferred account, your tax-free account, and then your taxable account. That supersedes tax loss selling in order of priority and importance. 800-516-1220 is the number. You're listening to the Index Investing Show. When we come back, we're going to do some habits of the investing greats. Stick around. You're listening to the Index Investing Show with Ron DeLegge. Subscribe to our podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Be sure to leave a review. All right. Welcome back from the break. Great to have you with us. 800-516-1220 is the number. If you'd like to join the program, you can also watch me on YouTube, my weekly series, ETF Battles. Uh, check it out. I think you'll really like it. And by the way, if you've got a certain ETF matchup that you'd like to see, two ETFs go head-to-head, -head, send that to me. And you can do that. Uh, just go to the... Um, Go to YouTube and hit ETF Battles in the search bar. And then in the comments section of our videos, uh, post your battle requests. I can do head-to-head -head matchups. We can also do double headers as well as triple headers and quadruple headers. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's about as far as we go. Quadruple headers and more than four ETFs at the same time. Um, basically, my mind blows up. And... Um, it, it begins to look like a Jackson Pollock 
drip painting where it looks like spaghetti all over the place. So uh, four at one time is about all that we can handle. It's myself as well as a panel of judges. And we look at these ETFs in terms of their exposure strategy, their performance, their cost. Then we also have a mystery battle category where the judges get to pick a single factor or maybe multiple factors that they feel are important to that particular matchup. But it's a really awesome show, one of a kind, and it is quickly becoming one of the top ETF shows. I've just been so impressed with the audience as well as the outstanding analysis being done by the judges. And um, the, the viewer numbers don't lie. Uh, so we're starting to get more and more traction, and some of the numbers are beginning to even rival uh, major broadcasting networks in terms of ETF programs and financial programming. So it's been quite, quite impressive. And just a testament to the power of creative programming and uh, giving audiences and investors um, what they demand, which is not just raw information, but meaningful information that's timely and that helps them make informed investment decisions that lead, hopefully, to profitable results. 800-516-1220 is the number. We're here. If you'd like to join us, uh, you want to talk about anything on your mind, we can do that. As I mentioned earlier, you can get in touch with me, those of you looking at your annual statements coming out here at the end of the month and beginning to kind of reassess your 2021 performance and really looking at uh, what did I do right, what did I do wrong, what, what can I improve in my investment portfolio, what are the strengths and weaknesses. That's the whole point of the portfolio report card as I designed it. So I encourage you to get in touch with me where we look at your portfolio, we do a full body exam and uh, take a look at it and uh, tell you the strengths, the weaknesses, what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong. And the whole idea here is to help you improve your results. And maybe your results don't need to be improved. Well, you know what? The portfolio report card will tell you that, uh, hey, you're doing just fine. Keep it up. So it will reaffirm the things that you're doing correctly. Whereas at the same time, it will uh, expose the things that you're not doing right. And so this is, again, the purpose of the report card. It's not to criticize you. It's not to make you feel dumb. It's not to embarrass you. It's really to help you improve the bot your bottom line and your investment results. 800-516-1220 is the number. We're here. you got another couple minutes to join us if you'd like. Um, let's talk about this particular investing habit. It's called being resilient. And legendary money manager Peter Lynch once quipped, everyone has the brain power to make money in stocks. Not everyone has a stomach. During his tenure at Fidelity Investments, Lynch managed the Magellan Fund. He did that from 1977 to 1990. And under his supervision, Magellan averaged a majestic 29.2% return which effortlessly outperformed its peers and the S&P 500 index. And what do you think happened to assets in the Magellan Fund? You guessed it. Investors began to pour money into it. Of course, they're chasing returns, right? It's so predictable. We, we, we petty and, and, and predictable humans. We, we just do the same things over and over. It's so, so predictable again. But anyway, the Magellan Fund boomed from just $18 million. Are you sitting down? $18 million to a whopping 
$14 billion. Man, that's gigantous. So Lynch was, he basically popularized this idea of investing in what you know. That was his strategy. And so he discovered some of his best investing ideas, some of his best stocks by just driving around town, running errands and spending time with his family. And instead of trying to sell all of your investments during a market downturn, Lynch encouraged people to stay put and to be resilient. And that's the habit we're going to practice on. I'm going to tell you what to do about it in a second. But be resilient. And are you ready for this quote? Here's another one from Lynch. Quote, far more money has been lost by investors preparing for corrections or trying to anticipate corrections than has been lost in the corrections themselves. End of quote. Wow, that's a fantastic one. And it's, it's so true. Among the most legendary examples of both stomach, stamina, and resilience that I've ever seen. This is a real-life example. This was a portfolio report card analysis that I did a few years ago uh, from a retired attorney living in L.A. And um, he has had a $28 million investment portfolio. And uh, this portfolio, you're wondering, well, wh how did it get that big? What did he, what did he do? Well, way back in 1991, he bought $84,000 worth of Apple. And he managed to hold on to that stock over 20 plus years. He turned his original investment of $84,000, this was completely unleveraged, he turned that into nine, roughly $9 million. Amazingly, he accomplished this impressive feat again, and I repeat, without any leverage. He was not borrowing money. He owned the shares. Now, you might say, well, that, that looks brilliant in, in retrospect, but it didn't look brilliant at the time. At one point in the mid-1990s, it appeared that Apple was headed for bankruptcy. And from 1991 to 2001, his investment in Apple lost 25% in value. So can you imagine sitting on an investment for 10 years and then losing 25% in value? Most investors would probably be just happy to get back to even. But remember, we don't invest to get even. We invest to get ahead. And so this particular investor demonstrated unbelievable resilience and stamina by riding out this money-losing trade in Apple. And he, he basically, he went to the moon, but before he got to the moon, he went through the basement. And sometimes that's the way it is with our investments. Before we get to the moon, we got to go through the, the, the crawl space and the, the basement. And then if we can make it through that, if we have enough resilience, then good things can start to happen. So this is, again, a real-life example. We link this to investing great Peter Lynch and also this other investing great. He's an anonymous investor from L.A. Again, I'm not going to reveal his name, but just a tremendous individual investor. I've never really seen anything else like that. This was like discovering a, a Vincent van Gogh in grandma's, in grandma's attic. Just incredible. The kind of stuff I like to see. So what should we do as investors? Give your investments time to grow. Grasp that a brain without stomach and stamina is an obstacle to great results. Embrace market volatility rather than trying to avoid it. 
Doing so may allow you to execute winning moves that you thought weren't possible. Designate time away from investing activities to alleviate pressure and stress. Visit a museum, walk the dog, listen to music. Disconnecting is good for your mind and for your health. Observe and imitate examples of resilience. For example, closely examine the animals in nature, pro athletes in sports, and others that have overcome great odds. And realize that great performing investments do not always start out that way. And accept that, um, you know, great performing investments, if you're making them, don't always stay great. So that's the lesson for all of us, Habits of the Investing Greats. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to join us again next week. I'm Rhonda Leggy. You've been listening to the Index Investing Show. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Index Investing Show with Rhonda Leggy. Connect with us on the web at indexshow.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. The opinions expressed in this broadcast are not necessarily that of our advertisers, sponsors, or broadcast partners. The discussion of investing is general and should not be construed as investment advice or an offer to buy or sell securities. Listeners are responsible for their own investment decisions and results. Before investing in mutual funds or ETFs, always consult a prospectus for risk, charges, expenses, and other information. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Past performance is not indicative of future results. No reproduction or dissemination of the index investing shows permitted without the expressed written consent of its producers.